there's a girl there's a woman and I want to introduce you to her tonight I'm going to read a series of passages and I have them written out so I'm just gonna move like a blue streak and read them very quickly and then I'm going to string them all together somehow Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and I want you to remember that word beginning verse 26 of Genesis 1 let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them plural them rule over the fish of the sea verse 27 and God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them and God blessed them and said to them be fruitful and multiply John 1 1 listen to the language in the beginning we have another beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and if you jump down to verse 12 but as many as received him to them plural he gave the right to become the very children of God even to those that believe in his name we have two words here in the beginning Genesis uses it and John uses it and we have the word them them Genesis 218 then the Lord God said it is not good for the man to be alone I will make him a helper I will make him a counterpart suitable for him in verses 21 to 24 of Genesis 2 the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come upon the man and he slept and the Lord took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at the place the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man the man said this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man for this reason a man shall leave his mother and his father and be joined to his wife that the two shall be one she was taken out of man Ephesians 5:25 husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her Jesus Christ gave himself up for her verse 29 for no one ever hated his own flesh but he nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church we are members of his body for this cause the man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cling to his wife and the two will become one this mystery is great but I'm not speaking of a man and a woman I am speaking of Christ and the church Revelation 21 verse 2 I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God made ready as a bride adorned for her husband notice a bride is coming out of the heavenlies adorned for her husband Revelation 22:17 In the spirit and the bride say come the spirit and the bride both say come Matthew 13:45 to 46 The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls when he finds a pearl of great price he sells everything he has and buys it 
Anybody know where the first mention of pearl is in the scripture? It's in the Garden of Eden, the book of Genesis. There is pearl, there is gold, there's precious stone. And they're produced by a river that flows out of the garden. Do you know where the last place in the Bible where pearl is mentioned? It's in Revelation. There's a city that's made of gold, pearl, and precious stone. Acts 2:44. We're in the city of Jerusalem. The festival of Pentecost has come. There are thousands of Jews who have come from all over the Roman Empire to be in the city for the festival. They do not live there. They're on vacation. They're leaving their homes and their families and their jobs to be at this festival. And at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descends and the church is born. And many of the Jews who are visiting Jerusalem stay in the city. They relocate. They leave their jobs. They move their homes and their families. And they live in Jerusalem. And the scripture says, And they were together, and they met day by day. Not once a week, not twice a week, but day by day. They continued with one mind. They broke bread from house to house. They took their meals together with joy and gladness of heart. And they praised God, and they had favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. And then Hebrews 3.13, the writer exhorts the brothers and sisters he's writing to, and he says, Christians, exhort one another daily. Not once a week, but daily. Acts 5.14, And all the more, believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women, were constantly added to their number, and another version says, they were added to the Lord. They were added to the Lord. Now Luke, interestingly, in the book of Acts, and sometimes he says, when people came in to Christ, he says, and they were added to the Lord. And other times he says, they were added to the church. Acts 9, 4. Saul falls to the ground and hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the church? Is that what he said? What does he say? Why are you persecuting me? Who said that? The Lord Jesus Christ. And now for one of the most mind-blowing passages in all of Scripture, it's 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Listen to this. For even as the physical body is one, and it has many members, and all the members of the body, though there are many, are one body, so also is the church. That's not what he says. He says, so also is Christ. He's saying Christ has many members. Christ is one body with many members. So also is Christ. Galatians 3.28 There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And you can add to that. There is neither Irish or Italian. There is neither Nigerian or Chinese, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.11, you are one in Him who created the new man, a renewal in which there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. There is no circumcision or uncircumcision. There is no barbarian, Scythian, slave or freeman, but Christ is all 
in and all. And then I will end by reading you a story out of Mark 14, beginning in verse 3. And while Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, and reclining at the table, there came in a woman with an alabaster flask of very costly perfume, pure nard. And this woman is Mary. She was the sister of Martha. She broke the flask and poured it over his head. And John tells us that she wiped his feet with it. But some were indignantly remarking to one another, why has this perfume been wasted? Why this waste? Does anybody in the room know who uttered the words, why this waste? Judas. It was Judas. Thank you. Absolutely. For this perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii. A one denarii is a day's wage. So 300 denarii is about a year's wage. So whatever you guys make in Ireland uh, over a year's period of time, that's how much the value was of this flask. Judas's reply, why this waste? You could have sold it to the poor. And the disciples scolded her, but Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you bother me? She has done a good deed to me. Well, brothers and sisters, I wish to introduce you to a woman tonight. She is probably one of the most neglected women in the history of mankind. Men open up the scripture and they speak from the scripture, but she is utterly, routinely neglected. She gets very little airplay, and yet she appears on virtually every page. And yet she has missed, she is ignored, she is neglected, she has all but been forgotten. I wish to introduce you to her tonight. This morning, we got an elevated view of Jesus Christ. Tonight, we're going to get an elevated view of this woman. Because I will tell you something. Behind the eyes of God, there is nothing, there is no one that is more important. She is his passion. She first appears in Genesis. In the opening chapters of Genesis, we have a statement that reflects God's eternal purpose for man, and it is not that man be saved. Now, most of us who have been the products of evangelical Christianity have been taught that God's purpose is for man to be saved. And that God's purpose for you as a Christian is to go out and get other people saved. That is a fairly new doctrine. It originated with D.L. Moody in the 19th century. God created man not in need of salvation. Would you agree with that? There was something else that God had purpose for man. Are you with me? It wasn't salvation because man hadn't fallen yet. There was something else. And we get a glimpse of it when God says, He creates this man in His image to bear His authority in the earth. God created man to bear the image of the invisible God. God created man to make visible God on the earth. 
But he said, let them. He was after a corporate man. And brothers and sisters, this woman that I wish to show you tonight is a corporate woman. She has many members within her. She is a corporate woman. She's not an individual. And she first emerges in Genesis 2 in the form of Eve. Adam is put to sleep. For God says it's not good for him to be alone. And all the single brothers at this point should be saying amen. <laughs> it's not good for man to be alone. So God puts his man to sleep. And he pulls out of the man a rib. And from the rib he fashions a woman. Was Eve created? No. Eve appears on the eighth day, the day after the Sabbath, the day after God rested, the day after he said, it is finished. Then in chapter 2, she makes her appearance. He pulls from Adam while he is in a deep sleep, a rib, and he fashions, he builds, the Hebrew word is he builds a woman. Now listen to me, brothers and sisters, that woman has the exact same genetic code as Adam does. She is inseparable from Adam. She is the increase of Adam. She's bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. She came right out of his side. She is Adam in a different form. She is a part of Adam. You can't separate Adam from Eve. They are one, though they are distinct. Their genetic code, their genes are exactly the same. She's not another creation. She's another form of Adam. Well, we continue on in the Old Testament. And we meet woman after woman, from Sarah to Rebecca to Rachel to Ruth to Zipporah, Moses' wife to Abigail, David's wife. And then we meet a woman in Proverbs 31, a virtuous woman. And then we come across the Song of Solomon and we see another woman. She's a bride. She's a beautiful bride, madly in love with her husband-to-be, her fiancé. All of these women, from Eve to the woman in Solomon, are pictures, are photographs, are a an image of this woman I would like to introduce to you. Who is this woman? Well, we come now to the New Testament and we, we move into the Gospels. And now, the real Adam appears. According to Romans 5 and 1 Corinthians 15, Adam of the Old Testament, the first man, was but a picture, a Kodak photo, of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the real Adam. And as he walked on this earth, my brothers and sisters, he had a girl inside of him. Just like Adam had a girl inside of him. And God had to put Jesus Christ to sleep in order to get her out. 
Do you remember? After God created on the seventh day, he said, it is finished, and he rested. And then Eve appears on the eighth day, which is the first day after the Sabbath, which is Sunday, the first day of the week. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He is dying because there is a pearl of great price inside of him. And like the merchant, he is willing to give everything, even his life, to get her out. And he is hanging on the cross. And he says, it is finished. And what happens? He goes into a deep sleep. He's pierced. And out of his side comes water and blood. The blood for the cleansing of that woman, for she would become defiled. But the water which speaks of the life of Jesus Christ, the divine life, the life that that woman will live by, the life that will produce that woman. And he goes into a deep sleep, and God reaches into Jesus Christ, and he becomes spirit and on the day of Pentecost she is given birth the real Eve emerges and in one day she manifests 3,000 members within her and the world for the first time beholds this woman who afore was only pictured through these women beginning with Eve, on throughout the Old Testament. But here's the reality. The one grain falls into the earth and dies, and it produces many grains. And the Spirit brings those many grains together to create one loaf. Who is this woman? There she is in Jerusalem. Her members are easily seen. They're falling in love with one another. They're taking care of one another. They're with one another every day. And we have now on the earth a them that's bearing his image. We have a them that's ruling over principalities and powers. And this woman is so gorgeous. She's so beautiful. She's so magnetic. She's so charismatic. She's so hypnotic that the Jews look at her and behold her and they are drawn to her and they leave everything behind because they've come from all over the Roman Empire and they come to dwell in Jerusalem to be part of her. And brothers and sisters, when a man sees a woman and he falls in love with her, he'll crawl over cut glass to be with her. And that's exactly what happened. I'm going to tell you something. That woman is the greatest evangelist that ever lived. Are you following what I'm saying? She brought more people to Jesus Christ than the greatest tent preacher that's ever lived, or TV preacher, or door-to-door -door evangelist. She, the them that was on the earth. Well, Saul, the Pharisee, sees the power and beauty and magnetism of this woman so he begins to persecute those within her and Jesus Christ the man appears out of the heavenlies and he says Saul why are you persecuting me 
she is indistinguishable from him. Do you know why? Because just as Eve came out of Adam and was made of the same substance as was Adam, just as Eve came right straight out of Adam's being and was bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, so too this woman has the same genetic code as does Jesus Christ, for she came right out of him. She's bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, and in the eyes of God, he sees no difference. She is inseparable from him. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? And this is why Luke can write about her and he can say, and the Lord added to her. And in the same breath say, and God added to the Lord. For she and her Lord are one. But that's not all. Jesus Christ is madly in love with this woman. She is his fiance. And when he looks at her, he sees himself. And when he looks at her, he sees a being that's gorgeous. And just as Adam looked upon Eve and fell in love with her, and she came out of him, and then he wanted to become one with her, so too Jesus Christ knows where she came from. And he wishes to become one with her too. And he is waiting for the day where she will be fully ready and fully prepared so that he can become one with her. Right now, she is a virgin. A bride is a virgin. But he's waiting for the day where she will be his wife. And he will be one with her. She came out of him. And one day she's going to go back into him. Who is this woman? She is so magnetic. She is so glorious that when her members come together, Paul says, an unbeliever, a heathen, a pagan, someone who doesn't care about God can come in the midst of her and he sees her members functioning and he steps back and she expresses her Lord, and he says, God is in the midst of her. There's a scripture that says the woman is the glory of the man. This woman is the glory of Jesus Christ. She is the reflection of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you something else. Every one of you in this room has a longing to be within her walls. She is your natural habitat to be inside of her. You were made for that. You were made to be in her. You have a longing. You have an innate desire. If you heard the message this morning and it stirred in you a hunger to know him more deeply, that's your Christian instinct saying, I want to go home. That's your instinct saying, I want to become a full functioning part of her. Who is this glorious woman? Who is this woman that is so one with Christ, she's indistinguishable from him? Who is this woman that is bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, wherein he is madly in love with her? Who is this woman who he's passionate about? He has a driving passion to be with her and just to be loved by her. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. What do you suppose a man would desire more? 
to have the woman he is in love with to serve him hand and foot, to have the woman of his dreams and desires to bow down on her face and knees and begin to worship him, or to have that woman just love him, just love him for who he is. You have a Lord that's lonely, just like Adam was lonely. And he is a Lord that wants to be loved. Over and beyond everything else, he wants to be loved. And he has eyes only for this woman. He cannot see anyone else. She's the most important thing to him. Just as a man will fall in love with a woman, he can't think of anybody else but her. A consuming obsession. She's always on his mind. He's always thinking of ways to bless her. Where do you think that comes from? Do you not know that you were made in the image of God? It's a reflection of the passion that Jesus Christ has for this woman. Who is this woman? Well, brothers and sisters, this woman is the church, the ecclesia. And you who are sitting here in this room, brothers and sisters in Ireland, all of you are part of that woman right now. Indistinguishable from Jesus Christ. Elevated to be bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And what is he wanting? He wants a them in Ireland. A them to come together in local expression, visibly, geographically, in a touchable manner, not in some spiritual way where, oh yes, we're the body of Christ, we're the bride of Christ. I see my brother and sister who live just down the street from me and they're in the same city. I see them once in a while and yes, we worship in all different places. No, but like Jerusalem, they came together and they expressed him together and loved him together. This is what your Lord is after here in this country, in this city. A woman. This is a glorious woman. Do you realize that Eve emerged before the fall? Eve was unfallen when she came out of Adam. Do you realize that because the blood came out of your Lord's side that he has cleansed you and you are blameless in his eyes and he sees you as pure without blemish. Do not look at yourself through the eyes of man or through your own eyes. Get behind the eyes of your God and see that you are indistinguishable from him. For this is who you are. You are part of that woman. Now I want to close with a story and it's a story we read. But before I do that, I want to ask the question, is this woman important? You better believe she's important. The very scripture opens with a picture of her, and it ends with a picture of her. She's Eve in Genesis 2, and she's the bride, the wife of the Lamb, the new Jerusalem, the city of God, 
who will become one with him in Revelation 21 and 22. The scripture opens, the scripture closes, and she's on every page. Don't tell me the church is not important. When she's the very fiance of Jesus Christ, whom he died for. She's the pearl of great price, who he sold everything for. And his people will also sell everything to be in her as well. Just as they did in Jerusalem. They left all to be part of her. Don't tell me she's not important when she's indistinguishable from your Lord. And he can say, why are you persecuting me when she is being bruised? Don't tell me she's not important when Paul could say that the church is Christ in corporate expression. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Don't tell me she's not important when the very closing words of Scripture are uttered from her mouth and they come out of her throat and she says, Come, Lord Jesus. The Spirit and the Bride say come. She is the most important thing there is to God. She is His obsession. She is His consummation. She is His passion. She is what drives Him. And this is what your Bible's about. It's about a boy and a girl. It's about a man and a woman. It's about a woman inside of a man who comes out of him and then goes back into him. Your chief task, my chief task, is to love him as part of that girl. And if you have a heart to do so, there's a world out there where you will learn how to together and you will corporately express him and she makes him known. You, as an individual Christian, will never, ever know him deeply on your own. You need to be inside her. And you will never express him on your own. You need her to express him. We're talking about the very heart of God. We're talking about the center of God's heart. It's that girl. It's that woman. She eclipses everything else. Well, here's the story. Jesus Christ is over at Simon's house. He's reclining in the chair and in walks in a woman. Her name is Mary. Ever since she's been a little girl, she has been collecting very costly perfume. She's been putting it in a flask made of alabaster. She's collected it all of her life. This is her security. This is her bank account. This is her retirement fund. It's an entire year's wage. This is the most important thing that she has. But she has caught a glimpse of the man, Jesus. And her heart is taken and she's captured by him. And she walks in with that flask. Would you like to hear the gospel of Judas? Three words. Why this waste? Why are you wasting all of this money? Your security, your possessions, your retirement fund. Why are you wasting it? You could have done so much with this. And he gets real religious. You could have given this to the poor people. Sounds good, doesn't it? Why are you pouring it out on his head? Why are you wasting it? Waste is giving more than what's required. And she wastes it on him. 
And the Lord rebukes Judas and the other disciples because they bought into that religious junk. And he says, be quiet. She is doing a good work on me and what she has done is so precious that this will be heralded wherever the gospel goes forth. She wasted herself on me. And this is what that woman does. She wastes everything on him. And she'll waste everything to be a part of an expression of the bride of Christ to reflect him. The soil of Ireland cries out for this girl to be expressed. And the call goes out to all of you. The call goes out to everyone who will hear this message that the Bride of Christ will once again be seen visible in her sterling beauty in this country. A small expression, perhaps, it doesn't matter. But a people who will only pursue Him who are throwing out all the other stuff, who are chucking it all, I mean your pet doctrines, the things that divide you from one another and the agendas that drive us where we say the only thing we want is to know him and to know him together and we know we can't express him as individuals she must express him let's get within her walls and let's express him together but let's love him first would to God that he would raise up such an expression of people here in this country she would be characteristically Irish but divine just as well, for she has divine life flowing through her veins, for she has come right out of him. Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. And you have a country, you have a nation, and I'm, I'm keenly aware I'm a foreigner here. I understand that. And if I'm wrong, you can rebuke me. But it seems to me that you have a nation where the young people are growing colder and colder away from God and Jesus Christ. Do you know why? Because the church in this country is irrelevant, it's religious, it's stale, it's cold, and it's steeped in unreality. And our Lord, His heart breaks to see an expression of the church of Jesus Christ like she was in the beginning, now presently rearing her glorious head and let me tell you something it is her that will attract those young people but if she's not here if her members are scattered everywhere she will not be seen and if she is not seen he will not be seen not in his fullness this is the antidote it's not more evangelistic programs brothers and sisters it is the church that is the greatest evangelist on this earth it was her, it was this woman that shook the Roman Empire to its foundations. The people could not believe what they were seeing. There were these pagans were falling in love with one another. They had joy, they had liberty, they had freedom. And when they came into the midst of this people, they were swept away by her magnetism and her love. And they saw the Savior because the woman is the glory of the man. And she reflects Jesus Christ. None of us in this room individually can reflect Him. We need the body of Christ functioning, real, expressing Him. Now, 
I told you in the beginning that none of what I would share with you is theoretical. We live in the very issues of this. The brothers and the sisters in the churches back home, and this is true in other countries too, they really have a passion for that girl because the Lord has a passion for that girl. They know, they know who they are. They know God wants of them and they're standing in that. And their chief occupation is to pursue Him and to love Him. And one of the ways they express Him and the bride is by the things that the brothers do for the sisters in the church and the things the sisters do for the brothers in the church. And it's quite beautiful. And we have watched unbelievers come and see this and it blows their mind. They have never seen anything like it. And they walk away with the reality of Jesus Christ and his greatest passion to church. And I'm going to close by asking one of the brothers to come up and talk to you and tell you the story of two simple things. Just, I want to give you a picture of what church life really is like. Because I heard many people say, well, yes, we have this. So what you're talking about, Frank, we have this. We, we do this. Yes, we got this. I don't think you do. I don't think you do. I want you to listen to a day in the life of the church. Two meetings that occurred the creativity that is in Christ, the creativity that's in the church, just to display Him, He can be displayed in numerous ways. And these are just two ways. And this is not one of the regular meetings, but it just gives you an insight into how the bride can be expressed with simple people just like you and I, who are really pursuing Christ. So, Brother Dave, would you come up here and just share with the brothers and sisters the two experiences? All right. <clears throat> Let me start with uh, one of the brothers' meetings. We have meetings where all the brothers will get together and uh, do all kinds of things. But one meeting, we took over a couple's house, and we kicked the wife out, and we were going to have a brothers' meeting. And uh, I'm saying that facetiously. But uh, <laughs> we uh, we're going to we're going to be there for a while, and. We decided to meet a little earlier, and we were going to have dinner. And the brothers got together, and we were trying to discuss how, what we were going to do for food, whether we are going to order out pizza, maybe order wings. And uh, it took a little while. We were going around the room, and uh, all of a sudden, the doors burst in, and all of the sisters started running in. They were dressed in white blouses and black pants, uh, just like you would see at a very fancy Italian restaurant. And they led us out to the back. And at the house, there was set up a, like a tent um, cover thing with uh, like a garnish ivy with like miniature white lights all over it and tables set up in rows uh, with place settings and, and a rose on each, uh, on each uh, place. And uh, they sat us all down, and they each came out and served us a different course. Um, and it was probably one of the fanciest Italian uh, dinners we had, almost as good as uh, Irish lasagna. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but we had um, salads, bread, lasagna, um, fancies, desserts, little eclairs, miniature eclairs stuffed homemade, everything was homemade, and 
they gave us the royal treatment. And uh, they expressed how much they loved the brothers and what they thought of us. And they even wrote a song. I don't know if you guys have heard of the Italian song, That's Amore. When the moon hits your eyes like a big pizza pie, that's amore. Uh, they rewrote the words. And I'm not sure of all the words. That's um, agape. That's agape. And they talked basically in the song how when the brothers bring Christ and they show Christ, that that's agape. And they see Christ in us. And really showed us how much they loved us. And it was, it was one of the most phenomenal evenings just to know as a brotherhood how important we are in the, in the body and uh, how effective we can be. And um, uh, it was really glorious. And that, that included every sister, even small children. Um, uh, but there was another evening, Valentine's Day, and America celebrates. It's a lover's holiday. Uh, guys will usually go out and give chocolates to their girlfriend. Uh, but in our fellowship, we decided that the brothers would bless the sisters. And it goes back and forth. It's, um, uh, there's su such a love and appreciation for the, the brothers and sisterhood. It, it really does. It goes back and forth. Uh, but the brothers decided that we were going to uh, really bless the sisters uh, as brothers showing the sisters that how much we love them. And we decided that we would actually take one of the houses uh, one of the brothers' living rooms and turn it into a museum. And the brothers came up with different ideas for artworks uh, to bless the sisters. Uh, there was like a painting of the Bride of Christ. I should say a collage, actually. It's actually pictures of the sisters cut out and all put together into the shape of a woman. And then the all the uh, pictures of the brothers cut out and shaped into a man. And it, the picture represented, uh, there was colors in it and different things that represented different things. but. Um, they represented basically how we see the bride in our sisters, that they actually represent the bride of Christ, and that together we can express the body. <clears throat> there was a tree with the faces of the sisters hanging from the leaves like fruit. Um, and there was actually even one where there was a, a mirror set up on the wall with a big frame and everything, and we brought the sisters up to it. Uh, so they could actually see themselves, and that was one of the artworks. The, um, and there were several, and we put them all around, the, all around the room. And what we did was we all met at a house, and the brothers escorted, when, when everyone got there, we all dressed up in suits and ties and the whole bit, and asked the sisters to dress up. And when we all got to the house, we escorted them to the house, and they were all out in the front yard waiting to come in, and one of the brothers serenaded the sisters, wrote a song and uh, yeah, showed the brother's love for the sisters. And then we actually had two guys announce that it was going to be a museum evening and it was going to be a tour through the museum. And it was announced as brothers as the singular artist was in town and he was showing an artwork exhibit and he wanted the sisters to see it. And so the brothers would actually go around in the entire time we were putting on kind of a play kind of thing where we were acting like we were art connoisseurs and we would go through the different exhibits and say, oh, I like this. And we were going through all the different parts and, oh, well, look what this shows. And I really like how this comes together. And uh, it was really wonderful. We were uh, taking them through a tour and describing what everything meant 
And we went around the room and we did that. And brothers uh, would, would be a part of the tour with a group of sisters over here. Some group of sisters were over here. And some brothers would just do it on their own. They were just you know, filling up the atmosphere. And um, they, they were basically just going through each one and just showing how much the sisters mean to them. Uh, then that was all done. And uh, the brothers led the sisters back outside where another brother was going to serenade, serenade the sisters. And in the meantime, while all that was going on, we rearranged the entire place and turned it into a dining room. And we made another uh, really fancy meal. We had tablecloths and uh, napkins and the finest dishes we could get uh, to, for that many. And we had a pot roast dinner and bread and salads and the whole bit, but we didn't stop at that. It was the finest meat we could get, organic pot roast. The butter itself was a, a homemade organic butter, and the sisters even noticed that. They could actually tell the difference, and they let us know they noticed. Um, we really treated them. We just blessed them with the, the best dinner we could. And that really is what goes on back and forth between the brothers and sisters um, because there's such a love there. Another thing I want to say is um, we're not instructed by anyone to do this. Uh, we don't have, Frank does not tell us to do these things. We have basically decided on our own as brothers, man, we really want to bless the sisters. Look what they do for us. Let's do something back. And when the sisters do it back to us, man, it's overwhelming. That is, a, I guess, a day in the church. I remember you telling me, I, by the way, I didn't see this, I heard it. I heard it from some very teary-eyed sisters who were reporting this to me after it happened. They were just overwhelmed. But when you all had the mirror and each one stood in front of the mirror and you, you spoke about them, wasn't there something red on the mirror that depicted the blood of Christ yeah, that they was, came out of? The silvering the, of the mirror, it was rusted, but it was in like a, a blood splatter kind of a rust. And we had talked about how the blood of Jesus has actually washed each one of them. Oh, man. They were wow. in Christ. Praise the Lord. Um, that is one small aspect of what goes on in church life. It's a very small one. But it nonetheless depicts the romance that is reflected in the church between Jesus Christ and his bride. She is someone to see. She's glorious. And when you see her, you see him. And... Uh, I want you to think about this. I really do. I want you to consider what it is the Lord's wanting.